Good morning, church. This morning, as elders, we have called an audible. For those of you who don't know what we mean by that term, audible, means that we've had a change of plans this morning. So we're going to we're going to step back out of the Gospel of Mark this morning, and I want to speak to you on the biblical view of stewardship. And the reason that we as elders felt we needed to speak on this today is for several reasons, and I hope you hear the heart behind this. First of all, we felt this was a good Sunday to speak on this, looking at where we are financially at this time. And what it did is it actually revealed that wisdom would have us bring this to your attention in this season. Second of all, when we, for those of who may not understand, when we speak of stewardship, that also includes or uh, brings about the topic of giving. And so we use that word stewardship, and you'll see later on why. But the second reason why is we want to speak on this today is because our deacons are presently planning and struggling a little with the 2024 budget for the staff and ministries. And thirdly, the reason we're speaking on this today is because as we looked at this, it revealed that we as elders haven't shepherded well in terms of the heart of giving. And I want to say, before I go any further on this matter, that as the one, myself being the one who does, who has the platform to do the primary, primarily the majority of the teaching, this falls first and foremost on me. And so you're looking at the guy right here. And so this morning, together with the elders, we want to confess to you this morning that we have not shepherded this body well in this area. We own that. I own it. And if there's anything that I pray that you would receive from this morning is that we as elders, we want to be humble and open and transparent about where we as elders fall short. And it begins first with me. Now, with that said, we don't simply want our church to give for the sake of giving. We want to develop a culture of giving that not only honors God, but that really reflects the heart of God. In light of the songs that we just sang, we want that culture of giving that's born and developed here to reflect exactly what we sang about this morning. But with that said, I also want to confess to you this morning as a preacher that in preaching this this morning, that there are a few fears that I and even our elders struggle with a little bit. First of all, we're afraid that this sermon might cause a simple knee-jerk reaction to giving. And in the next couple of weeks, tons of money will come flooding in But in the end, it will actually fall short of what we hope to establish. And that is the heart and the culture of giving that reflects the very character of God. We're also afraid that what you hear today will only be applied to giving or money. When when in reality, this can, can and should be applied to every area of our lives 
whether it's with our time, our abilities, our giftings, or the opportunities that come our way. But yes, the focus today is on stewardship, on giving, but this should be applied right across the board. And I am afraid that in preaching this today, I may be too timid. And if I am too timid in presenting this or what the word of God has to say about this, I'm afraid that it will rob you of the joy there is in giving and stewarding what God has given to us. And lastly, we're also afraid that this sermon might cause or create a sense of guilt in people who are giving as the Lord would have them give. And I pray that the Spirit of God would work in our hearts in such a way to give us wisdom and discernment in knowing how this topic should apply to each one of us in our hearts and our lives. So with that said, here's what we're going to do today. After I'm done preaching this sermon, um, we're going to... We're going to have a short family chat at the end. It'll be short. We know many of you have kids and kids ministry, but we want to take a moment and we want to pray together as to what the Lord would have each of us do. Now, just before I step into the sermon, one last thing I'd like to say, and that is this, that this sermon itself is not going to complete or cover the entire subject of stewardship. It's not going to answer every question, and it's not going to contain everything the scriptures had to say about this because it's too comprehensive of a subject. This today is more like the first steps, if you will, or the introduction into stewardship. So I hope and I pray that this morning your hearts, along with mine, would be open as to what the Lord has to say to us in terms of stewardship. So pray with me, Father, as we get into your word now, Father, as we look into this subject, I pray, Lord, that our hearts would not be closed off, but that we would honestly say, Lord, show me what you have for us. Show me what you have for me and what you would have us do, Lord. Show us, Lord, create within us the very heart of God in terms of stewardship and giving. So that in all things, you honestly, truly would be magnified within this church and within, within our community, Lord, because you are worthy. So meet with us now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, for some of you, this word stewardship might be somewhat new. You may not have heard it very often. Um, but it's a, it's a term that we as Christians use a lot, the term stewardship. And to help understand what we mean by stewardship, we're actually going to look at the scriptures. And the first thing I want you to understand is when we think of stewardship, it is in terms of giving, but this is going to show you what we're actually talking about. But in order to get to the definition of stewardship, here is what we need to understand, that stewardship is God's idea. When we look at Genesis 1-1, we read that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I mean, that's not new to us. We understand that. We read that it's the opening verse in the Bible, in the Word of God. But just take a look at that for a moment. And the fact that God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the Scriptures 
expound further on that. For example, if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 26, we read, For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. In other words, everything that exists in creation, who does it belong to? God. Everything is his. Everything, including you and I. Everything belongs to him. And then God in his inscrutable ways and the majesty of his being stated in Genesis chapter 1, here we have this, the curtains open for us back to the beginning of creation when he made everything and we read verses 28 and 29 and God blessed them, that's mankind, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, God said, okay, I've created man, and I'm sending them forth to subdue it, which literally means to bring under control. I've created man, and they're going to take creation, and they're going to bring it under control, and then they're going to rule over it, to have dominion. It means to then rule over it, which means simply to keep things in check, to run it in an orderly fashion. God has bestowed upon you and me, mankind, the call to do this. Control it, manage it, and rule well over it. But here's what we see when we think of stewardship. We see that from the very beginning, when we put this together, God created everything. We also see that God owns everything. And thirdly, that God has given you and me the authority over all of his stuff. Right? That's what we begin with. It's God's idea. He created it, he owns it, and then he put us in charge of it. But as we continue on in this topic, in this subject, God has given us authority over all that he has created, but it's important for us to understand, secondly, how a godly steward feels. Now, I hope you've put together by this time that when we talk about stewarding, stewardship, it means, we're, it means we're taking care of something that doesn't belong to us. It belongs to someone else. That's what stewarding is. You and I are stewards of everything God has created. So the question then is, well, how does a godly steward feel? Well, and the first point I would have you understand is this, that God is more important than stuff and money. For a godly steward, God is more important than anything he's given us authority over, anything that he's given us to take care of. Psalm 63.3 puts it this way, Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. Did you get that? Your steadfast 
unchangeable, immovable love is what? Better than life. Better than life. Folks, brothers and sisters, God is worth more than anything we have. In fact, even better than our own lives. I hope that sinks in. Your steadfast love, oh God, is better than life. God is exponentially better than anything I have, anything I could have, or anything I ever will have. And so he is our greatest treasure. In fact, God said to Abraham, I am your exceedingly great reward. And so we treasure him and we put him above anything that we have. Psalms 27 verse 4 goes on and says, One thing I have asked of the Lord, that will I seek after. Listen, 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 listen. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. For what purpose? To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. And to inquire in his temple. See, this, this is how a godly steward feels. The idea here being that above everything and above anything we may have, we yearn for God. We long to be with God. Why? Because firstly, he is God. He's the only true God. And he's worthy to be adored and loved. But more to that, he is what satisfies, who truly satisfies our deepest longings. That is my God and that is your God. When we find satisfaction and fulfillment in the things we, we have, it's misplaced satisfaction. Because God is who truly satisfies but he gives to us all things. And that's why a godly steward puts God above everything and anything we have. Because he, he is what really, truly satisfies. This is how we feel about God. And what's more... A godly steward also feels and believes that who I am is more important than what I have. Proverbs 16, verse 8, listen to this. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. Isn't that so much the opposite of what we see today? So much of the problems in our world and maybe even in our lives is because of this not holding to this. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. And the person who loves God also feels and believes that who I am is more important than what I have. So yes, indeed, better is to have just a little bit 
and to live a life of righteousness and to be righteous, to do right, then great revenues with injustice. Proverbs 22.1 also tells us that a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches and favor is better than silver or gold. And yet, so often, we get this wrong. But a godly steward desires to be true to who they are, who God has called them to be, and to honor God in all that we have and all that we do so that we don't sacrifice who we are in order to get what we want. So that's how we feel. God is worth more than anything I have, and so we put him above everything else. Secondly, who I am is more important than what I have. But let's move on from this, because we need to bridge this, because this, this is such a comprehensive and deep subject. It, it, it enters deeply within us, and it reveals our hearts and attests who we are. But I also want to look at how a godly steward thinks. And here is, in light of recognizing that what we have, first and foremost, belongs to God, here's how the godly steward thinks about everything that we have. How much of what God's given me is meant for me? It's a true question that the godly steward asks. How much of what God has given to me is meant for me? For my needs. Well, let me begin by stating this. In Philippians 4.19, we read, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now, why did I use this verse here? To point out that God wants to supply all your needs. Not necessarily our wants, that we've dressed up as needs. Sometimes that's hard to differentiate, isn't it? Between what we want and what we need. And then oftentimes we've put this pretty dress on what we want. Thinking it's, it's a need. Right? The standard, however, for how a godly steward thinks... In terms of how much of what God has entrusted to me is meant for my needs, is actually revealed in 1 Timothy 6, verse 8. This is the standard. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. If you're anything like me, having lived here, in North America, for the majority of your life, you might read this and might have to say, ouch, because if you're like me, maybe you'd have to confess that I'm not really, I'm not really satisfied with that. I'm, I'm, I'm not. But the godly stewards, it just shows where this preacher falls short. And I confess my sin to you this morning. 
the standard for godly stewards is this. Hey, if we have food and clothing, with this we'll be content. That's the standard, folks. That's the standard. Oh, God, do a work within our hearts to make this true for every one of us and first for me. And so what we need to do is we need to discern the difference between what I actually need and what I want. And with that in mind, we should actually use, freely use what God has entrusted to us for our own needs. And I would even further state that it's not wrong to sometimes spend on your wants. It's not. But here we need to be careful and discerning as to how we do that and what we do, do that on and with. And again, like I said, a, this sermon will not cover all aspects of it. But there is more to come down the road. But the standard is, if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. Another way, another way that we think about what God has entrusted to us is this. How much of what God has entrusted to me should be given to something greater or other than myself? Acts 20, 35, the Apostle Paul, the great evangelist and church planter, meeting with the elders in the churches of Ephesus, said this to them. As he, just before he parted, he says, in all things, he's speaking to the elders. And so I know our elders right now, we're listening to the words of Paul and receiving it as for us, which is then to be relayed to the church. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of Jesus or the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You see, when it comes to working, um, it's, I think it's evident, particularly in North America, I mean, we work hard. We really do. I mean, we, we, we even refer to, we work so hard, we refer to it as the rat race, right? Race to work, race home to get some sleep, and race back to work, right? Now, I would even admit within the last decade or even more, things have been shifting in that regard. And yet, please understand that even biblically speaking, working hard is not a bad thing. In fact, here, Paul encourages the elders of the Ephesian church who then in turn will, will take this to the church that it's a good thing to work hard. And there's a purpose, but there's a purpose behind it. We should work hard not just for ourselves that we might have enough for our needs, but we should work hard so we can give to things beyond ourselves, whether it's so we can give to people or to causes. And here, here in this passage, Paul is talking about the need to give to people, those who are in need. Have you ever thought about that concept? I'm going to go do another half day of work this week. I'm going to go put in an extra day this week of work so that I have something to give those who are in need. Does that ever cross your mind? Can I be honest with you? It doesn't often cross my mind, right? 
And yet, this is what Paul is saying. Work hard so that you not only have what you need, but so that you have so you can give to others. A godly steward wants to give because it's the very essence. Here, listen. It's the very essence of the heart of God. There's great joy, as we see, in giving. In fact, there's greater joy in giving than in receiving. Actually, let me be honest. How many of you, don't put up your hands, I'll put mine up, but how many of you have ever been in a place where you were in need and you received? Don't put your hands up, just in your heart, right? And how many of you were very uncomfortable with it? Well, grace is uncomfortable, right? But it's true. Um, it's a blessing to receive. I mean, when you are in need and all of a sudden someone brings and provides what you need, there's great joy in it, right? And, and this word here, it's more blessed to give than to receive. That word blessed means to be made happy or to have joy, right? There's greater joy and greater happiness in giving than there is in receiving, I've always found receiving to be very, a very uncomfortable thing. But there is great joy in being able to give. And when we are free and able to give, what we're actually modeling, what we're actually experiencing is the heart of God. And that is what we're after here. We don't want a one-time bucket load of cash. No, no. No, no. Our desire is to create a people and a culture and the fabric of this place to be one that reflects the heart of God. Oh God, would you do that within us? And in terms of the amount of what should be given, well, how much should we give? Well, I'm going to go back to the Old Testament. The, the New Testament has much to say about this, but that'll be in the next one. But even looking back to the Old Testament, when God brought Israel out of Egypt, made them, brought them into the land of Canaan, the land flowing with milk and honey, he instructed Israel as a theocracy, people under God, how they ought to give. The, the principle that he shared with them then still applies to us today. In Deuteronomy 16, 17, God said to his people, Israel, listen, every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing of the Lord your God that he has given you. In other words, there, it's, it's proportionate. Right? The question is, each one must assess and discern and evaluate how much has God given me? How much is it that I need for my life? How much is it that I need for, the, for my needs? And how much can I then give beyond that to others? So it is proportionate. Now here's the thing. Regardless of where you were in Israel, whether you were wealthy or you were poor, everyone was supposed to look at this and live according to this, right? And so the reality is when we look at this, for every man shall give as he's able, it meant that there might be some who weren't able to give, but on the other hand, there were some who would be able to give abundantly. The question is, how has God blessed you? 
What has he entrusted to you? And furthermore, if we look at 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 19, um, Paul writing to Timothy tells this, tells him to instruct the church in this. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. See, oftentimes we make the mistake and we put our comfort and our trust in the money that we have because through that it allows us to do certain things we enjoy. But the reality is what Paul is getting at here is that it's actually it's not those things that allow you to do that. It's God. It's God who provided you with these things through which you can then enjoy it. Now here's the other thing I want to say. We read this and Paul does direct us to Timothy saying, hey, listen, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. Let me pause here just for a moment before I move on. Oftentimes, those who are not rich, those who are not well off, paint every rich person with the same brush, right? The reason they're like that is because they're greedy and they're misers and money is their God. There's even a, a, a certain phrase that I'm sure we've all heard reiterated one way or another. And it's something to the effect of, well, you know how they became like that, right? Insinuating that there's dishonesty, dishonesty right? And unrighteousness in the way they attained it. But here's the reality, folks. Some people are rich because God has blessed them that way. And they're faithful to God with it. And there are many poor people who put more trust in, in the uncertainty of money than certain rich people. So this here, when we read this, and we need to reflect upon our own hearts whether God has given you plenty or if you don't have anything. Because you may have nothing and still worship money. All right? And so when we read this, Paul simply says, hey, to the Christians in the, in, the, in the church where Timothy is at, as for those who are rich in that present age, charge them not to be haughty nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They're to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is a truly life. So those who are well off, yes, they are, they, they are to do good, be rich in good works, and be ready and generous to share. And the thing is, so should those who don't have much. And the moment we start moving into that realm where we do have more, we should have this mindset as well, ready to give, ready to, be, to do good works, ready to share. And that should be the heart, whether you have a lot or a little. Always be ready to do this. Now imagine for a moment, imagine what it would be like. See, this is God's design, right, that we steward this way, that whether God has given us much or little, it's the idea is, okay, God, by your design, how much do I need for myself of what you've entrusted to me? 
and then understanding what I need for myself and then going above what I need, what you have given me, how can I help others with this? Imagine a life like that where everyone lived by the design that God has in place, where everyone lives in such a way and it's evident in every person's life that God is more important than anything we have or the size of our bank accounts. And that everyone has this yearning and this, this longing and this love for God. They just want to see God and they even want to honor God with everything they have. It's not about me. It's not about what I want, but I just want to honor God. And so, and so people live this way, always looking out as to who they can help or, or greater causes beyond themselves, right? Being wise in how much they use for themselves, right? And, and hey, listen... Um, we can look at the parable of the talents as well, right? And we just see how, how those who do have much, you know, they, can, they increase it well, right? And so it's like if we would all do that, even those who have little, right? The one who had the one, you know, the one talent instead of just burying it and leaving it, right? And so it didn't decrease or anything like that. But we use it. Hey, he's given me one. God, help me to increase this, right? So this mentality. But if everyone lived according to the way God designed stewardship, where money and possessions are good to have, but it's not where we find our comfort and our hope and our trust because our true longing is truly for God first. And everyone puts godly character above our desires and our wants. And yes, even our own needs because they care more about who they are in Christ than what they have or what they may want. And everyone is, stands by eager, ready to honor God with the money, the possessions that they have, that he's entrusted to them. And so they're standing by, eager and ready to help others in need and to give to the cause of, causes of Christ where there is a need beyond themselves. So their eyes are not on themselves, but going, how can I use this for the glory of God? And here's the truth, folks. Anything we give is an investment in the kingdom of heaven. And it's the only way that you can get what God has given you here now that you won't lose it. Because we'll lose everything here in this earth. But anything given to, to those who are in need or anyone given to the, to the cause of Christ, those things store up treasures in heaven. Yes. And don't, so imagine when we all live this way, eager and ready to help others who are in need. And looking at causes of Christ beyond ourselves, greater causes, ready to use what God has given to us for his purposes. A place, I think it becomes a place where everyone's needs are met. God is glorified and the work of God moves forward unhindered. This is how God has designed stewardship to be and to work. And then we look at it and we go, well, why doesn't it look that way? Why, why isn't that the case? And you know what? People kind of grasp the concept of this. And so they've created man, man uh, philosophies by which they want to try to achieve this. Whether it's through uh, different philosophies, whether it's socialism or Marxism. they all See, they have this concept that this is all going to work for the good. But it doesn't. God's way does. Not man's way. So why doesn't it work the way we see in Scripture that it ought to work. Fourthly, how does stewardship go wrong? 
Or why does it go wrong? Because of sin. Even our sin. Like sin within us. Sin, sin within me. It starts here, folks. It begins with me. You see, sin distorted and still distorts God's order today. You see, when, when sin enters, then we end up choosing stuff and money over God. We put our, our hope and our trust in our bank account and the things we, we want and possess. And our passions are not for God. They're about us, about what I want, right? And we're not about the kingdom of God. We're about our own kingdom, building up our own kingdom here. And then we take, we take our wants and we dress them up as needs. That's what sin does. And then God is not honored. But then God becomes a genie in a bottle that we hope will answer our prayers to get what we want. That's idolatry. It's sin. And then godly character is abandoned in order to gain unjustly and in dishonest ways so we can get what we want. And then we care more about selfish wants than about the needs of others, which creates a greater struggle and hardships for those around us. And then we care even less for the desires of God because my desires come first. And when we do give, we give begrudgingly and minimally. Because our mind is not on the kingdom of God, it's on my kingdom that I want here and now. But here's, here's the good news. When God sent Jesus, Jesus saved stewardship. Listen, folks, do you honestly think we could go a whole sermon without talking about Jesus? Right? It's about Jesus, right? And we see how Jesus lived and saved stewardship, if you will. And so Jesus came and he flipped our sinful, distorted ways in terms of stewardship. And he set it right. And we see it in his life. How did Jesus save stewardship? Well, we, when we look at the life of Jesus we see that he put God's will over his comforts, do we not? Philippians 2, verses 6 and 7, speaking about Jesus. It says, though he was in the form of God, did not he count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. He was with God. And all of God's glory and all of God's splendor. Lacking nothing, having everything. And Jesus emptied himself of all of it. And he came. And he lived as a servant. And that word servant in scripture is commonly or more often than not referred to. The actual translation is he became a slave. 
And we see as we look at the life of Jesus that he prized godly character over material well-being. We see in Jesus' life that the Son of Man had no place to even lay his own head. We see how Jesus lived and how he saved stewardship. He rightly discerned what he needed to do God's will. When he had a need, he asked the Father. Jesus, Jesus was not wealthy in a sense of huge bags full of money. He didn't even have enough money to buy food for all the people that came out. So, well, what did he do? He resorted to miraculous works. But not because he, had short, he was short on stuff, but there was a purpose behind that. But the point I'm getting at is he only lived by what he needed. He's the perfect, he lived this out perfectly. You and I never will, never would, but Jesus lived it out perfectly. And what else did he do? He gave generously. Boy, did he give generously. He gave everything so that you and I might live. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9, we read, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. That's the heart of God. And that is what our desire is to create here. That together we would be conformed into the image of Christ. And so we give not because, oh, shucks, they need it again. But because having been joined to Christ, there is a desire within us that is from God and of God. And having been joined to Christ, we find within ourselves the, des the desire to give. And therefore glorify Christ. And from this we can see what God's design for stewardship looks like. Because Jesus lived it out perfectly. Jesus lived stewardship the way God designed it. Jesus set the perfect example for us to follow. And what's more, Jesus gave us his Holy Spirit through which we now have the power to follow in his footsteps, living out God's design for stewardship. So now we can do it too. I know there's a lot of questions that are popping up your minds. We don't have time to answer them today. But feel free to reach out to us as elders if you have concerns about what you've heard or questions about what you heard in light of what I just said here. And we'll, we'll be happy to try to answer those questions. But the, the final question I want to ask now before I close is what does this look like in you and me now? Here's what it looks like. Here's how we live this out. God is more important to us than stuff or money because we desire God more than anything else. It's evident within us the godly character is more important to us than money or possessions if it means we end up with little or nothing. Or even if it means we end up with little or nothing because 
righteous character is better than unjust gains. And thirdly, it look, the way, how does it look in you and me that we steward what God has entrusted to us in such a way to use what we need and give to greater causes such as the causes of Christ and to those who are in need. Brothers and sisters, don't get stuck on that one point we're called to give, but look at the heart behind it. I pray that's what we become, a people who reflect the heart of God, giving of ourselves and pouring ourselves out for those around us and for the cause of Christ. Christ gave everything. May it be evident to the world that his people give everything for him. Pray with me. Father, this is but the beginning of understanding stewardship. We haven't delved in deeply. We just scratched the surface. I pray, God, help us. Move us, do a work within us so that the heart of God is richly embedded within us. That everything we do and we give is because we have seen and we know a God who has given everything for us. So may we also live in such a way that we give everything for others and more importantly, for you. Father, forgive me for not having shepherded your people in such a way to really understand the heart of stewardship, the heart of giving. Father, give us the wisdom from your word to live lives that are overflowing with joy when it comes to giving because when we look at you, that is what you have done. May it be so of us as the children of God that the love of God, which now abides within our own hearts, is seen and reflected when we give of ourselves to others and to your causes. Grant to us, Lord, wisdom and discernment as to how we should operate with all that you've entrusted to us. Give us joy and peace in whether you've given us much or given us little. But may we steward it well, for you are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen.